Well, good morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ian. Uh, I'm married to Helen, and I'm a member of the church. Um, I am a little nervous this morning because I know some of you have been to New Wine, and you've had fantastic teaching all week, and then you come back here and you get me. And uh, in the words, <laughs> uh, in the words of Angela. God has a sense of humor. So I would like to pray and then uh, we will start. Heavenly Father, I really do pray that I would communicate something worthwhile this morning. Please help me to remember what you want me to remember and to forget what you want me to forget. And for those who have come this morning really wanting to hear something from you today, I pray, Lord, that you would speak, and every person who has come seeking you would find something and hear something today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I would like to look at just a few verses from the book of Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and in the church Bible, it's on page, let's have a quick look, 185, 185, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 30 to 33. I'm actually reading from the uh, English Standard Version, but it's pretty close to the NIV. And as I'm breaking into a passage, I would just like to set the scene so you have the context of where I'm starting to read in verse 30. God has set the Israelites free from slavery in Egypt. He's brought them through to Mount Sinai. He's met with Moses on the mount, and he has given the Ten Commandments, or the Ten Principles, the key principles of how they should live their lives. And the leaders are afraid. <laughs> And they say to Moses, you go and listen to God. We're afraid we will die if we listen to God. But you go, you go, Moses, and you listen to God, and then you tell us what God says, and we will listen to what God says through you. So that is the context. Picking up in verse 30, it says, this is God speaking, go and say to them, return to your tents. That's obviously the leaders. But you, speaking about Moses, stand here by me and I will tell you the whole commandment and the statutes and the rules that you shall teach them, that they may do them in the land that I am giving them to possess. You shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live, and that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land that you shall possess." As I said, the context of this is God giving the ten main principles of life, how they should live, and he tells Moses to teach them, and as they follow those commands, he says that they will walk the path that I have given them, 
and they won't turn to the left, and they won't turn to the right. And these verses caught my attention about not turning to the left and not turning to the right, and to walk the path that God had given us. And I started to think, is the path the same for everybody? Are we all on the same path? Is it just one path? And after all, we start from different places. We start from different cultures. We start from different backgrounds. We start differently. And I have to say that as I think about it, I don't think we all walk the same path. I think we do generally. There are things that will be common to all of us. But then I was reading in Isaiah 35, and in Isaiah 35 it talks about this pathway of holiness, or the highway of holiness. And there is this path, and it says, only the redeemed will enter into this path. And looking through the New Testament language, you have to say, it's only those who genuinely repent and believe in Jesus, trust him as their Lord and Savior, will walk this path. And this path eventually leads into Zion. And I take that to be the presence of God. So we may all start in different places. Our paths may be all slightly different paths. But we all end up in the same place, in the presence of God. That's where we end up. And I have been thinking, how do I keep on the path without turning to the right or turning to the left. Now, obviously, it's in the context of following Bible teaching, but I've been thinking about this. And while I was thinking about this, I went to speak in a church in Marchwood. And on the screen, at the beginning of the service, was a picture of the peregrine falcon. And one of the leaders told me about the peregrine falcon. He had watched a program on the telly. I think it was The Natural World. And he interested me. So I went and I watched this program. And there was a a part of it, there was this guy who had a real affinity with peregrine falcons. And he trained a particular peregrine falcon to come to what was like a yellow bag in the shape of a small ball, and he put meat on top of this yellow bag, so the peregrine falcon learned to fly to this yellow bag. And after a while, he wondered how far this peregrine falcon could actually see. So he got a friend, and they put a hood over the eyes of the peregrine falcon, and his friend stood at the top of the valley. And one kilometer down the valley stood this guy with a yellow ball. Sometimes he threw it in the air. Sometimes he had it on a string and he whirled it around and threw it in the air. But he stood one kilometer away, took the hood off the eyes of the peregrine falcon. He saw that yellow bag and he flew straight for the yellow bag. Didn't turn to the left, didn't turn to the right, straight to the yellow bag. Wow. He then thought, I wonder how far he can really see. He moved back one more kilometer, two kilometers. The guy takes the hood off the bird, and the bird sees the yellow bag, and he flies straight for two kilometers. 
Wow. No turning to the left, no turning to the right. And he thought, I wonder how far this bird can really, really see. Three kilometers. He goes down the valley, three kilometers. The guy takes off the hood of the eyes of the peregrine falcon, and you see it go up into the sky. And he circles round and round, and then he sees the yellow bag. And he flies straight to that yellow bag. No turning to the left, no turning to the right. And it made me think that one day each of us will stand in the presence of God. And on that day, what will really be important? What on that day will really be important? And it reminded me of my friend in Ukraine called Alexei Slogvenko. And Alexei said to me one day, he said, Ian, he said, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, I'm sure he's heard that from somewhere else. I don't think he made it up. But anyway, he said, he said Ian, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The most important thing is to keep what is really important as the main thing. And I've started to think, and I've been thinking about this for two or three months now, what is the main thing? On that day, what is really going to be important? And I started to think about John chapter 17, verse 3, where Jesus says, and this is eternal life. This is life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is life. To really know God deeply, personally, intimately, Father, Son, and I would also say Holy Spirit. One evening, I went out with Martin and Roger, and we went for a drink and at the cowherds. And we're in the cowherds, and I'm thinking about this, and I say to Martin and Roger, what do you think is the main thing? And Roger says this, comes back very quickly, the main thing is to believe in God and to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again from the dead. And I went away and started to think about that, and I started to think how, yes, we are called to live by faith. So I started to think, well, the main thing, the first main thing is to believe in God. And then I started to think, well, yes, but, you know, the God that I believe in, other people seem to believe in different gods, not the God that I believe in. And so I would shape that by saying, I believe in God and in the Holy Bible as God's written word to us. After all, that is the context of this teaching, that you will teach them what I have commanded you, that they may not walk to the left or walk to the right. So our revelation of God needs to be shaped by the Holy Bible. But then I wanted to say a bit more about God. And I was thinking, do I say, I believe in a good God, I believe in a powerful God. And eventually I came to the conclusion, I believe in God 
the almighty creator of the universe. And in Jesus Christ, sorry, and in the Holy Bible, which is his revelation to us. And I thought, but there is a bit more than that. And I went back to thinking about knowing God. I believe the main thing is to believe in God, the almighty creator of the universe, and in the Holy Bible, God's word given to us. And to seek to know him deeply, personally, intimately, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. I know it's complicated, but each is co-equal. Each is co-eternal. Each is co-substantial. In other words, of the same substance, of the same essence. One God, three persons, all equal, all eternal, all of the same substance, all of the same essence. And then I thought, but there's still more. There's still more. The main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing, but there is still more. And I started to think about living in the presence of God. Because that's where we are going to end up, one day living in the presence of God. So I started to think about the need to cultivate, seeking to live in the presence of God. Psalm 84 talks about how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, even faints for your courts, and my heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. And it goes on to say, one day, one day in your presence is better than a thousand elsewhere. One day in your presence is better than a thousand elsewhere. There is a chorus that I think sums it up. (laughs) I am not a very good singer, and I often go off key. And I have wondered if I dared to try and sing it. I think at this stage, Helen is under the chairs, all right? But anyway. (laughs) To be in your presence, to sit at your feet, Where your love surrounds me and makes me complete. This is my desire, O Lord, this is my desire, to rest in your presence not rushing away to cherish each moment here I would stay this is my desire O Lord this is my desire 
there is something about singing songs personally unto the Lord that actually cultivates a sense of the presence of God. So we've seen, what is the main thing? The main thing is to keep the main thing. What I see as the main thing may not be what you see as the main thing. But what I'd like to ask is for you to go away and think about it. Think for yourself, what is the main thing? What is the most important thing? And how do I keep that at the very center of my life? And so far we have seen the main thing is to believe in God, the almighty creator of the universe, and the Holy Bible as God's written word to us, seeking to know him deeply, personally, intimately, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, seeking to cultivate an awareness of his presence. And then I asked Helen, I said, Helen, (laughs) what do you think is the main thing? And she said, to love God is a good place to start. And I thought again, she's right. When Jesus was asked, what is the most important principle of life? And it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He said, there is one God, and you should love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. Obviously, we need to think about how do we do that? How do I love God with all of my heart? How do I love him with all of my soul? How do I love him with all of my mind? How do I love him with all of my strength? But that is another sermon. (laughs) At the moment, we are focusing on what is really important, to love God. And in John chapter 14, Jesus said three times, if you love me, you will obey me. Or he said, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. So I would also, the main thing is to live under the authority of God. And I would add an adjective, gladly. The main thing is to gladly live under the authority of God. After all, when Jesus faced the horrendous, horrendous cross, the horrendous God, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the horrendous situation he was going to face, it says in the book of Hebrews, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He gladly submitted himself to the authority of God. And he's taught us a little prayer to pray, that we would remember that on a regular basis. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. May your kingdom come, may your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. May your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. So one of the main things is to gladly live under the authority of God. And you'll probably know this, but um, the Bible says that God is looking for two groups of people. God is seeking 
two groups of people. He is seeking the lost. Luke 19, Jesus said, The Son of Man comes to seek and to save the lost. Luke 15, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. God is seeking the lost. But he is also seeking another group of people. And you will find that in John chapter 4. God is seeking worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. God is seeking sons and daughters who will worship him, appreciate him, honor him. That is why our prayers of appreciation are songs of exaltation, explaining how magnificent and appreciative we are of the Almighty God, are so important. But there is another aspect to worship that is really important. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, he says this. What does he say? Wait a minute. (laughs) What does it say? My mind's gone blank. Um, Therefore, therefore, thank you very much. Somebody knows their Bible. Well done. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Offer yourselves in service to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Heavenly Father, I offer you my heart that I may love you and love people. I offer you my mind that I may think about you. I may think about the kingdom. I offer you my eyes that I may see what you want me to see. I offer you my ears that I will hear what you want me to hear. I offer you my mouth that I may pray and praise you and declare just how good you are. I offer you my hands that I will work for you. I offer you my legs that I will walk in the path that you have for me. As I said before, what I see as the main thing may not be for you the main thing. But I really would encourage you to go away and think, what is the main thing? And how do I keep the main thing the most important thing in my life? And the last thing that I really would like to say, and perhaps it sums a whole lot up, if you read through the first part of Ephesians chapter 1, you can't help but get a sense that you and I have been created to be to the praise of God's glory. You and I have been created to bring glory to God. So you could say, what is the purpose of my life to bring glory to God? And then you have to say, well, what does that mean to bring glory to God? And I've been thinking about it. I think it means living a life that pleases God. Living a life that honors him and respects him and declaring just how good and generous and wonderful is my God, my Savior, my life. So we've covered a bit of ground. I've sown a few thoughts. We started on that mountain God giving the Ten Commandments to Moses and telling the people to
to listen to the commandments, to listen to his teaching, and to walk in them, and not to turn to the left and not to turn to the right. And then we've seen the pathway of holiness. Eventually that pathway leads into the presence of God. What on that day will really, really, really be important. And I've encouraged us to think what is the main thing, what is really, really important. I've made some suggestions to believe in God, the almighty creator of the universe, and in the Holy Bible as his written word to us, seeking to know him deeply, personally, intimately, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, seeking to love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength, gladly living under his authority, seeking his presence, worshipping him, serving him, and living a life that pleases him, honors him, respects him, and declares just how good, how generous, and how wonderful is my God, my Savior, my life. Thank you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for us. Thank you that you have the path for us to follow. And I pray, Lord, that you'll help every single person here to think about it, to think what is the main thing, what is the main thing that you want from their lives. And I ask, Lord, that you'll help us by the power of your Holy Spirit to live it and to keep it central to our lives. Amen.